Ready to live at the higher vibrations, where peace, love, joy, and good health are the daily standard? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Vibe. And here's your host, Robin Openshaw. Hi there, and welcome back to Vibe. This episode of the Vibe podcast is brought to you by a very special event that I'm doing with Ryan Sternagel called the Toxic Home Transformation Summit. Ryan and I interviewed more than 30 experts in what is causing toxicity in our lifestyle, inside our homes, inside our pantries, in our energetic environment, and we asked each speaker for clear and actionable ways to clean it up so that we can live healthy lifestyles even in this modern world. The Toxic Home Transformation Summit will air for free in June. So if you'd like a free seat in this online event, go to greensmoothiegirl.com slash summit. This interview today is an audio excerpt from the summit with one of our experts. Today I'm bringing you a building materials expert. His name is Andy Pace. And for 25 years, he's been advising people who have depressed immune systems, allergies, asthma, or chemical sensitivities, because multiple chemical sensitivities is actually a real diagnosis now there's a, a lot less awareness than there should be, but it's an actual medical diagnosis. And he sits on a lot of different boards of directors for green buildings organizations. But what he does is he consults to interior decorators and people in the building industry, but also just individuals who want to remodel or want to build a home from the ground up about how to create a non-toxic home. We're talking about furniture, we're talking about carpet, we're talking about paint, we're talking about flooring. I think this will be useful for you if you ever have any remodeling in your future or if you're thinking about moving or if you might potentially be building a home in the future. Let's learn about how to build, remodel, or live in a high vibration home. So welcome, Andy. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm really happy to be here today. Well, I'm happy to be here today, too, because I have not told you this yet. But the reason I wanted to interview you, because I look at all the, the people that Ryan and I are, are interviewing, and I said, I want him. And <laughs> you you know that Ryan is building a home in Park City. And uh, what you don't know is that I am moving to Park City this fall, fall 2018. And I'm not building. I'm moving into a condo that I already own up there. Okay. And so it will be a year and a half old when I move into it. I'm kicking tenants out and moving in. And so I'm super interested on a personal level because I'm going to buy all new furnishings because I am taking all my furniture that I live in here in this home and putting it into a rental, another, another property I own up there in Park City, two of them actually, that'll be rentals. But, you know, I want to do it right. Mm -hmm. And I also want our followers in the Toxic Home Makeover Summit to learn what I'm doing and what's, you know, a lot of our mental blocks are, oh my gosh, this is going to be so expensive. And what I'm learning as I, as I learn more and more here is it's not necessarily, not always super expensive, but also when you get really sick, like Ryan and Teddy's son had cancer, like all of a sudden there is no better expenditure expenditure of your money than, than, you know, to clean up your lifestyle. But we wanted our followers to be able to learn from our journeys and what we're doing as Ryan and Teddy build a totally green home. And as I make my new home as clean and non-toxic as possible. Anyway, 
that's a long background too. We hear this term green building all the time these days. What does that actually mean when people use that term and what does that have to do with our health? Sure. So the term green building came about basically in the mid 1990s. Uh, It had to do with sort of this encompassing idea of energy efficiency, global environmental concerns, and the health of the occupants. The problem is as the building industry adopted green, the whole human health issue basically got pushed back to the back burners. Uh, Builders, architects, the industry as a whole adopted the entire energy efficiency part of green as the, uh, that was the common goal. Energy efficiency, uh, saving our natural resources, which is a fantastic goal to have. But what happened was all the green building certifications that are being used now across the country, they completely eliminated the human health component of it. And while most of the um, builders, architects, designers, consultants talk about green from a human health standpoint, the metrics that they use really have nothing to do with human health. They have to do with outdoor air pollution. And so they got confused. And now um, you, myself and our company, we're really the only uh, organization in the country that focuses on the human occupant based upon the toxicity and the hazards that are found in traditional building materials. Um, right now, there's over 88,000 chemicals used in the production of building products and home goods. 88,000 chemicals. Out of those 88,000 chemicals, we only know the toxicological effects of 3%. We have no idea what some 80,000 chemicals do to the human body. So what we try to do is... Um, take the approach of let's just reduce the overall chemical load. Uh, We know that with chemical sensitivity and asthma, key triggers formaldehyde. And if we can eliminate formaldehyde from the building materials, from the built environment, we can eliminate a vast majority of the problems. We also know that by eliminating formaldehyde, we're also taking care of a whole host of other chemicals that are, that are petrochemically related. So, um, it's been a it's been a long 25 years of coming to this point now we have a group of about 100 manufacturers that we can trust about 7000 products that we can use to help maintain or build a completely healthy home so let's just go there for a second getting rid of formaldehyde i imagine formaldehyde is in a lot of different uh home products building products you said when you get rid of the formaldehyde, a lot of other chemicals disappear with it because they're probably all in the same products. So what kinds of products have formaldehyde in them? Are we talking paint? Are we talking carpet? Are we talking particle board and furniture or what? Yes, all of the above. Uh, it's um, Formaldehyde as an ingredient was taken out of paints back in the late 70s when they used to use formalin as part of the formulation manufacturers have added back in what are called formaldehyde precursors or formaldehyde donors. These are chemicals that each make up less than 1% of the volume, so it doesn't have to be listed on the material safety data sheet. But as the paint cures, it actually combines to create formaldehyde. So um, along those lines, one of the biggest problems we have in this industry is what we call greenwashing. This is the way that manufacturers... um, 
write about their products in a way that make them sound very safe, very healthy. But when you actually look at the words, the words have no meaning. The words don't add up. And so we know that uh, formaldehyde is found in, in a lot of even the zero VOC paints that are on the market today. VOC, VOC being? Zero VOC paints uh, will contain formaldehyde and actually will create formaldehyde during the curing process. Define VOCs because not everybody watching will know that term. Sure. So a VOC is a volatile organic compound. Uh, VOCs are regulated by the EPA because of the propensity for them to react with low-level nitrogen and UV to create smog. So the the EPA back in the the mid to late 90s started regulating VOCs and products. And you'll notice now when you go to a hardware store, a paint store, a lot of the products you find are zero VOC. And the manufacturers give the illusion that that means that it's safe for the occupants. And in reality, that just means that they don't contain chemicals that contribute to outdoor, outdoor pollution, but they can contain chemicals that are highly toxic to humans that aren't regulated as VOCs. Uh, those chemicals include acetone, ammonia, and butyl acetate, commonly found in zero VOC paints. Okay, so this reminds me of how, you know, nutrition is more my jam and I try and educate people about the same things that a lot of the marketing terms, you know, these are for-profit companies talking about their foods, wanting you to think that they're healthy and most of the marketing terms out there designed to make you think that it's healthy are completely meaningless, unregulated. Sorry to hear that it's very similar in the case of building materials and I'm not entirely surprised. Can you talk about furniture. I'm going to be taking a lot of my furniture and putting it in the rental properties and taking my family heirloom antiques. You can, wherever I am, you can probably see one or two of them in my house. My mother and grandmother are antique collectors. I'm going to keep those. And my guess is that those aren't very toxic, but what, what kind of, if we can, if we can, what kind of furniture should we buy? I have been told that I need to go to local craftsmen and say, use lumber, don't use particle board. Can you talk about that a bit? Is that accurate? And then that, and then what else about the upholstery? Sure. So it's, that's partially accurate. Uh, when you're going with solid wood furniture, uh, you eliminate all of the um, uh, formaldehyde found in the uh, the particle board itself. Particle board plywood is usually held together using adhesives that contain urea formaldehyde. Some of the new plywood and particle board in the market is actually urea formaldehyde free, although they replace the urea formaldehyde with phenol formaldehyde, which is just another version, um, but it's about 50 to 100 times less likely to become airborne. So it is safer, but for those with extreme sensitivities, they will uh, react. So solid wood furniture will be free of that. However, you have to worry about two things with solid wood furniture. You have to use wood glue. And I have personally tested water-based so-called non-toxic wood glue to have anywhere from 100 to 200 times the legal limit of formaldehyde. Uh, And the other thing are the finishes. Most finishes that are used by commercial furniture makers will... uh, continue to off-gas toxins for about three and a half to four and a half years after it reaches a full cure. So provided that you can use safe finishes, which there are a lot on the market now, um, going with solid wood furniture is going to be your best bet. Okay, so I have to I have to be buying furniture from people who are educated in this 
whole thing. They're probably pretty deep in all this information. You're probably one of the best uses of the Green Design Center and your services is to connect us to those people that you trust who actually know all this stuff and are using those safe finishes. Is that right? That is correct. So we are putting together uh, a, um, a basically a, a, um, a service that we can connect buyers and sellers, whether it's furniture, um, painting contractors, flooring installers, architects, designers. Uh, we really have become sort of this clearinghouse to um, vet a lot of these companies for our customers. I mean, over the last 25 years, I've been hired by thousands of customers uh, worldwide to help design or build a healthier home. And we have a pretty extensive list of companies that can use healthier materials. Now, I'll be honest, um, for every one company out there that can use healthy materials, there are a thousand that don't want to because they're just afraid of the unknown. They, they haven't used them before and they're worried they're not going to work as well as what they're used to. However, once we get a chance to work with them and switch them over to a healthier product, they usually like to stick with it. Mm. Well, thank you for doing that work in the world because it's pushing a boulder uphill to, to educate people about this. And when furniture makers have been doing it this way forever or paint or, or mm-hmm. carpet or whatever, they, yeah, I mean, you're in a very similar position that we are in when it comes to food is trying to explain to people what they've been eating their whole life is actually really toxic, even though they may be standing up and still moving around. It doesn't mean it's not creating cancer risk. Well, and that's the thing with, uh, with these materials. Um, I had a client in today who has extreme chemical sensitivity. Her daughter is moving into a new home, but doesn't have the same sensitivities. So she's not doing all the same materials for remodeling that her mother did. And I had to say you know, the, the problem with chemical sensitivity or somebody who is really going through this disease, unless it affects you personally, directly, most people just rather opt for whatever is easy, whatever's convenient. Um, it's getting better. I mean, there are more products available. There are, uh, I will tell people now that unlike 25 years ago, you do not have to give up aesthetic durability, availability, or price just to buy healthier building materials. Wasn't the case 25 years ago, but nowadays it's easy. So you just have to go to the right suppliers who know what they're doing. Yeah. Right supplier. You have to trust. You have to find somebody to trust. Okay. So is it okay if for a free gift that you give all the people who purchase the summit, we can give a list from the green design center of um, some of the suppliers that you think are best? What I will do is I will put together a personal list of my favorite, uh, and then we'll put them on a, um, um, uh, we have a kind of an insider list, uh, insider um, newsletter that uh, we give a lot of tips and tricks. So we're, we'll be happy to do that. Okay. We will share that. So if I'm going to move into my condo in a year and a half, and I don't just ask this to take this the direction of where my life is going in 2018, but also for the sake of people who are, you know, not everybody's going to be building a house like Ryan and Teddy are. And so they would ask you questions about building a house, but I think we're all moving into homes of varying ages. If my condo was built a year and a half before I moved into it, has a lot of the off gassing from the carpet and the paint, et cetera, already happened? Is it when you first move into a new home that it's usually the most toxic or, or what do you know about that? So yes and no. Um, building materials will off gas for the lifespan of them. Um, 
However, within the first 90 days to 120 days, you'll get a lot of the initial um, big aromas coming off of the surface. A lot of that is what the products absorb during the manufacturing process and shipping process. Um, However, I've tested carpeting that's 25 years old that still off gases, you know, well over 400 parts per billion of formaldehyde. It's 25 years old. I mean, there was a study done years ago um, by a um, uh, uh, scientist, uh, Dr. Rosalind Anderson, and she actually tested carpeting that's over 20 years old that still off gases enough to kill laboratory rats. I mean, carpet is absolutely horrible. Um, Other building materials can be anywhere from uh, a few months to a few years, but things like plywood, particle board, um, if you go into a home that was built 30 years ago and rip out the old carpet to replace it with something safer. And now you're exposing that plywood to the ambient air again. The first thing you'll smell is formaldehyde coming off the floor. Um, It doesn't go away on its own. Does it help to have it covered with carpet? Well, it does. um, But the the problem is, is that whenever you replace the carpet, you're now exposing it to air again, which the formaldehyde becomes airborne. Um, And then the carpet itself, I mean, carpet, uh, itself can contain between 600 and 1200 chemicals that will off gas for, for a dozen years or more. So we'd always tell people to the very first thing you should do is rip out the carpet. I'd rather have you live on subfloors than live on, on toxic carpet. There are safer versions, of course. I got to go dig up the research on the, the highest cancer rates in various professions, because I know dentists and farmers and cosmetologists are at the very top of it. And I know exactly why the only three, only three things that only things that those three professions have in common is high chemical exposure. But now I want to go look at it in terms of like these poor carpet layers and just people in the construction industry in general. Yes. Yeah. There's a, um, I, I speak every once in a while for the paint and decorating contractors association, and there's a huge problem within the paint industry with painters and substance abuse because of the fact that a lot of the chemicals that are in paints and coatings are actually classified as narcotics. So when they're not on the job site painting, they've got to get their fixed through other means. So throughout the entire construction industry, there are huge, huge problems, but nobody wants to address them. Yeah. How sad. Basically these painters are huffing all the time. And I just, at at my gym recently, um, a couple of years ago, a guy that I have worked out with for decades just suddenly got sick and died. And he was a, he was a painter and he was young. He was younger than me, um, died of cancer. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go learn a little bit more about that. And we'll, we'll share more about that. I'm really glad to have your expertise and we don't want this to be a fear thing. We want this to be a, okay, awareness. Now here's what, here's what your tactics are and they can hire you. Um, they can get your list of preferred, uh, vendors and, you know, swerve a lot of this, this toxicity. What do we need to know about repainting? So with repainting, there's a couple of issues. First of all, we would like to know what is on the surface right now. If, it is a, if it's a water-based paint that's on there right now, generally speaking, it's a matter of washing the walls to get rid of any surface dust or grease. And then a couple of coats of, um, of the new paint would take care of it. If it's an existing paint that might be an oil-based or solvent-based, then we have to apply a special primer to the surface, and then we can do our two coats of paint. But generally speaking, you know, we work with a brand called AFM Safe Coat, which is the only doctor-recommended paint 
in the world. And this material goes on like any other paint. There's no difference to it. Um, you just want to make sure that it's a clean, sound surface to start with. And once you're done, it's going to look as beautiful as any high-quality product on the market, but it will not off-gas whatsoever. Interesting. Okay, so then there's another issue. We could talk about EMFs, and that's like we could do a whole separate uh, a whole separate interview, I'm sure, about EMFs. We're talking more about chemical uh, toxins primarily in this interview, but I'm looking at the EMF exposure in my in my condo. I've already measured the radon in my, and I already need radon mitigation. I've already told the tenants who are living in my condo, I'll pay for it, just get it done. But I don't think they're super motivated right now because they're they're going to be moving out this fall. Right. So I need to get that done. And I've been reading about EMF blocking paint so that you paint it. You paint the walls of your bedroom so that you're not getting the effects of, you know, the cell phone tower and the Wi-Fi and whatever. But what do we need to know about the chemical do you know anything about this? The, the, the chemical off-gassing of the EMF Correct. blocking paint. Right. So whenever we get involved in situations where there are multiple um, avenues that we have to deal with because of chemical sensitivity, you know, chemical sensitivity um, is a pretty broad brush. I mean, most people who are chemically sensitive are also sensitive to electromagnetic fields. They're also very sensitive to even natural things like essential oils and aromas. So we have to be very careful with um, deciding what's most important sometimes. And um, if if the chemical off-gassing is the most important thing. We, we actually use a program here we call Degree of Green. Degree of Green is a, is a system that I created about a decade ago to basically um, uh, ask the customer a series of questions to find out what their personal degree of green is and what we are trying to avoid, what we're trying to do. It's a 27 different questions. When we're done, we know exactly what direction we need to go. So we use that system, we find out where, where they're at, and if electromagnetic fields are really as strong in the need to avoid as chemical exposure, we can do a coating of the, the Y-Shield EMF um, blocking paint, but then we have to then paint it over with, with the AFM Safeco product to block the off-gassing. You wow. Know, there's no perfect product yeah. that does it all. So um, two, different, two different paint. Two different paint, paints, paints, right. Okay. And, and, and there's a third paint. If a customer has extreme sensitivity to mold, we actually have a coating that will kill mold on contact, keep it coming back for up to five years, not using any antimicrobials, but using lime, ground found lime. It's a product called Calowell. And it's EPA registered, it's extremely effective, and it's completely toxin-free. However, if people are extremely chemical sensitive because of that particular resin they use, we've got a top coat of a safe coat. So there really is no perfect product. Um, we always find out what's most important and, and kind of take it from there. So you could do, if you're really going for it, if you're really chemically sensitive, if you're looking for answers, you could do an EMF paint over the top of that because of the off-gassing uh, over the top of that, a, you know, a chemically chemical toxin safe paint, and then possibly over the top of that, a mold protective yeah. paint. Okay. So, um, 
there's there's a lot there to think about. And, uh, you know, there's probably parts of your home you might want to be more concerned about than others. What 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 parts of your home would you spend the money on or the effort to repaint? Mostly your bedroom because you're sleeping at night or the places you spend the most time in? Um, I think that the bedroom is the sanctuary. The bedroom has to be the safest room in the house. Uh, for those who are moving into an existing home, uh, the very best thing you can do is create that safe room where six to eight hours a night, hopefully, you know you're getting restful sleep and the room itself is not poisoning you. So that means um, making sure you're using the right paints and coatings, making sure the flooring is free of chemical outgassing. Uh, you have to have an air, a good quality air purification system in that room if you don't already have one for the entire home. Um, and obviously with electromagnetic fields, if that is a, of a concern, which it should be to everybody, but for those, for some, it's for, you know, more than others. Um, I, I like the idea of hiring an electrician to put in a kill switch for that room to make sure you can turn off all power to that room with a flip of a switch when you enter the room. A kill switch, the electrician installs. Very, very interesting. Might help people get um, more restful sleep too, yes. as well as reducing your cancer risk. I mean, if you're spending a third of your life in that one room, that's, that's kind of my thought is if I'm going to do like the EMF blocking paint and then maybe the one over the top of it, my bedroom's going to be my first choice. Probably also my office because I work from home. Right, right. So you mentioned that when people have chemical sensitivity, you've noticed they also tend to be EMF sensitive. And I just want to mention this because I interview so many practitioners and subject matter experts when it comes to, you know, disease prevention and longevity. And because because of my podcast vibe on iTunes is that I keep asking practitioners this and I want to mention it, that people who have chemical sensitivity might have and Dr. Ben Lynch, who will be featured on this Toxic Home Transformation Summit We'll talk about the actual genetic SNPs that you may have, mm -hmm. the genetic mutations that may lead you to be very chemically sensitive. He himself is chemically sensitive. I believe it's the DAOA, but he'll talk about that. I think the MTHFR gene plays a role, but most of the practitioners that I have talked to and also on my worldwide research, I've been to 19 clinics studying cancer and chemical sensitivity and related issues. They say that... The reason we become chemically sensitive is that our our immune system is maxed. It's fighting as many dragons as it can. It's like, imagine that you have like 100 fighters and they're battling 100 foes, right? Now, if I have 100 fighters and I've got 20 guys that I got to battle, I can... I, I can flex. I'm fine. I'm standing up straight, even though there's Wi-Fi in, on in my office or there's, you know, off-gassing paints. But when you got your hundred guys are all maxed out fighting a hundred different foes, then you have, you, you are very, very sensitive to EMFs. You're sensitive to chemicals because your immune system is maxed. Do you have, yeah. you, you've dealt with lots of experts on this. I mean, this has been your career for 25 years. What do you think about that theory? I like, I, it's actually a, a very valid theory. And, you know, the, the one thing about this particular um, disease and, and multiple chemical sensitivity is a documented disease now. The, the thing about this disease is that we don't know very much about it. It is um, 
Uh, I think because of the fact that it just recently got added to the American Medical Association's manual just about a couple of years ago, we are just now starting to see some research being done on it. You know, what I used to say is everybody's born with this 55-gallon drum in their body, and that drum absorbs chemicals throughout the day, and at at the bottom of that drum is a spigot with a filter. You know, so your body can absorb the chemicals and then filter it out. With chemical sensitivity, that drum gets filled up really fast. And once it starts to get, it starts to overflow, you can't stop it. So any chemical they come in contact with that's petrochemically related to the one that they actually had a sensitivity for will also cause the exact same reaction. Now, here's the even trickier part of this. I'm sure if you've talked to people who have chemical sensitivity, they will tell you that the um, they react to smells, mm-hmm. and that's partially true. They're actually reacting to the chemical whether it has a smell or not. What's really scary is that if, if you have chemical sensitivity, you can actually have the exact same reaction to the fear of a smell or a chemical than you can the actual chemical itself. And how that happens is you. Um, if you're chemically sensitive and you walk into a room and you sense a smell you've never sensed before, your body can actually create the exact same adrenaline response. And it's just like coming in contact with a toxin. So when people say that, oh, it's all in your head, actually that's sort of true in some situations. And that's why those with chemical sensitivity are are so um, skittish about any new products because they don't know if it's going to cause a reaction or not. Their body is telling them there's something wrong only because it's new. So when we get involved in new home construction, let's say, we'll actually have the client test every single product that's going into that home, all the way down to the screws and nails that hold the house together. We'll provide it in a glass jar. They'll do the sniff test. If they're worried about that, then they'll go to their their uh, physician or or, or um, uh, uh, healthcare practitioner, whether it's a holistic healthcare practitioner or a, an allergist, and they'll do muscle testing and see if that actually is a problem. Once they've approved that, we check it off the list on the Excel spreadsheet. And then we know if they ever walk into that home and they smell something, they've, they've tested it all. They know it's not going to cause a reaction. That's the extreme of the extreme, but it does work. Interesting. I, I think my whole life I'm really sensitive to smells, but not in the sense I don't feel like I get sick, but I, I, Literally right now, I have a close friend that I have been trying to think how to have the conversation. Could you please stop wearing that perfume when we go, when we go out? Because I, I literally feel nauseous after 45 minutes in the car with her and I don't wear chemical perfumes. And, but, but back when I was having my babies, I didn't want to give my baby to someone to hold her, even if it was my mother-in-law who wore a chemical perfume, because then I got the baby back and the the baby actually made me a little bit nauseous. And so we just have to be so compassionate to the growing number of people who are chemically sensitive and probably more that there's just an awareness that this is a real thing. Like I, I finally got up the guts to ask my mother-in-law to stop wearing chemical perfumes when she's going to hold my babies because, you know, that I wanted to like wipe them down afterwards. I don't blame you. And perfumes are, are horrible because uh, commercially available perfumes are a combination of synthetic and natural chemicals. 
And so it's very, very difficult from our standpoint. We actually have sealers that we can use inside of bathroom vanities to seal off uh, odors that have been absorbed into the wood. But if it's a perfume, because it's both synthetic and natural, it's almost impossible to seal. It, get, it gets through. Yeah, I, I read a study that they were testing perfumes because a lot of ingredients in perfumes are not chemicals that have been actually approved. And yeah. so there was an average in any, the, the, literally the average in these synthetic perfumes that most women are wearing, men too, was 14 chemicals that the US FDA knows nothing about, that are not tested, they're not approved. Not that the ones, like we have, like you said, 88,000 chemicals are in our furniture, furnishings, Mm -hmm. paint, whatever. And like you said, 3% of them are actually tested. Plus we don't know what the aggregate is, right? We could like test this one, chemical in certain ways, but we don't know what it, what it means that there's 80,000, uh, chemicals, potentially toxic chemicals in our, in our furnishings. Well, let's talk a few more specifics. What, uh, what should we be aware of when redoing our floors? So it, first of all, we always advocate the use of hard surfaces that are easy to clean, easy to maintain. So, um, common theme you'll hear from me is to avoid carpet uh, because carpet is a typically the average carpet is just a, a, you know, a, a toxic material. It absorbs and releases other VOCs. So it becomes a sponge in the home. There are exceptions. There's, there's two brands of carpet made in the world that are completely chemical free. For those who are chemically sensitive and want something soft underfoot, this is what we do all day long. But uh, beyond that, um, hardwood floors, ceramic or porcelain tile, natural linoleum, natural cork. um, And I'll be honest with you, even some vinyl. Now, in my career, in my 25 years, I've never advocated for the use of vinyl floors because vinyls contain plasticizers and, um, you know, phthalates and, and usually off-gas formaldehyde. Uh, but we're finding that there are some specific materials out there that are far, far better. Matter of fact, what we're using for, for uh, Ryan's house is a vinyl planking material that's actually almost um, the majority of the ingredient is limestone. So it uses na- a natural ground found mineral and combines it with virgin plastics and some other things to make a product that's highly durable, does not off-gas. We've tested this to be zero off-gassing and can, uh, carries a 50-year warranty. It's a smooth surface, so it's easy to maintain. You don't have to use any toxic chemicals to maintain it. And um, it's you know, it's going to last. Um, one thing that you find from people who don't know about this industry very much is they always assume that, oh, you're buying one of those green building materials. It's probably expensive. There's not a lot to choose from. It's, it's ugly. You know, it looks like they, they expect people who live in a healthy home to be in, uh, you know, dirt floors and straw walls. And that's absolutely not the case. These floors are beautiful, functional, durable, and very, very cost affordable. And on top of that, they're completely free of chemical outgassing. So we're really excited about what's on the market right now. Even carpet. I can get some high-performance carpet that looks really great for a long period of time, and it's been out there for long enough that we they actually know that, and it's not going to off-gas petrochemical fumes. 
You got it. Yeah. What it uses is uh, good old fashioned wool. You know, it's so using a natural uh, fiber and wool. The backing is hemp, jute, and cotton, um, all organically sourced. There's no pesticides. And there's no flame retardants used. There's no chemical dyes. There's no moth proofers. So if you're chemically sensitive, you can tolerate this. If you're sensitive to wool because of the lanolin in wool, you still have to be mindful of that. So we always will, will allow people to test for their own personal tolerance. Um, that's one thing about all the products that we sell. There is no perfect product. So there is nothing that we have. There's nothing available in the world that's completely safe for everybody. Someone will always react to something. So we always make sure to test for personal tolerance. Hmm. Yeah, that's really going to the mat for your client. That's uh, that's really, really great. We, we started talking about furniture and I just want to go back to, we talked about how particle board and plywood are the problem. And m- more often, if you go with regular lumber, you're going to be safer. Can you talk a little bit about, we didn't cover... Um, upholstery. I mean, upholstery is mostly the, what, stain master, the stain guard that's the problem? Yeah, so the upholstery, the problem will be a couple of things. Um, Flame retardants, um, stain blockers or stain resistors, um, antimicrobials. These are a big one nowadays. You know, you've heard of um, microban, and microban is 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 um, finding its way into a lot of consumer goods these days, and all that is is triclosan. It's a low level pesticide, and it off gases for the lifespan of the surface. Um, so when you're using when you're buying upholstery or having furniture upholstered, make sure you're using organic fabrics, um, even sometimes a natural uh, leather for those with chemical sensitivity will be far. Uh, easier to tolerate than some organic fabrics. Uh, the other thing is because it's it's a more of a solid surface, it's less likely to absorb uh, chemicals from other sources. Okay, so organic fabrics or natural leather, and make sure that you specify that you don't want any stain master, you don't want anything for stain repellent, you don't want anything for we don't want the microban. And we don't want the flame retardant. Right. Three things, right? Okay. So I heard the term geopathic stress recently where your home's located, where it is on the earth can be harmful. And it feels a little bit like, oh my gosh, I cannot take on all of these things. But what's going on there and what can you do about it if your home happens to be in a bad zone? And where do you even find out if your home is in a geopathic stress area? Right. So... Uh, I'll be honest with you, that's not a strong suit for me, um, only because that usually requires somebody to come on site and um, and test the home actually as far as where, where, where it lies, but also what else is around it. Um, there are, the biggest thing when it comes to the site, let's say you're building a home and you're trying to choose your site. Um, I like to look for uh, a few different things. First of all, what is the the Wi-Fi situation in the area? And again, that comes down to you know, electromagnetic fields and and others other things that you really can't control on the site. You can control it in your home. The other thing is, what was that land used for prior to you building? You know, if that was a farm thirty years ago, uh, heck, even fifty years ago, the chemicals used in traditional farming 
can stay in that soil for at least 30 to 50 years. Now, some soil is better than others as far as how well it, perk, it perks and, and it filters. Although that just means that those chemicals have found their way down to the water table. So you have to test that as well. So um, I like to look at all this as like a common sense solution. And once we know what we're testing for, what we're looking for, we can check that off the list. Um, there are other things to look at when it comes to this, the, um, uh, the lot itself how the house will sit on the land to take advantage of passive solar, to take advantage of, um, you know, traditional wind currents. Um, you know, that really comes down to that individual client finding out exactly what they're looking for. Yeah, this is going to be really interesting to see everything that uh, Teddy and Ryan know, because I know they've been working closely with you. And I think I'm going to need to hire you to see what I can do with an existing home, not building one, but um what can people do about EMFs? We know to keep our Wi-Fi router off. Um, I have my Wi-Fi off in my home and um, on our phones, we just use cellular data. We don't use the Wi-Fi. We just get a plan that covers, and it's not like that's no EMF. It's just less. But what about for people who are building or maybe are going to have an electrician update? What are some things you can do with the house's electricity itself to decrease Wi-Fi or to decrease EMF? Sure. So you can actually have uh, the electrician uh, wire the home in a method that eliminates electromagnetic fields from the wiring itself. Uh, and really what this, what this means is doing things the old-fashioned way. Honestly, you know, you're using twisted wires so that the electromagnetic field stays within itself. Uh, you're not crossing any electrical lines with any water lines so that the water is not carrying with it that electromagnetic field throughout the entire house. Um, there are other things you're doing with grounding the electrical a little bit differently. Um, again, like I mentioned before, putting in kill switches in the bedrooms to make sure that those bedrooms are the sanctuaries. When it comes to uh, internet access, television, and so forth, um, what I'd like to do is make everything hardwired. You know, put in your, put in your, your um, networking cable throughout the entire house, and you can even get um, routers to plug your cell phones into if you wanted to use your cell device, but use it hardwired. And so by eliminating all the internal Wi-Fi, eliminating all the internal electromagnetic fields, it makes it a lot easier now to combat the other things that are coming into the house by using um, different types of shielding during the construction process. And, um, you know, if you have, if you're forced to use a smart meter from the electrical company, there are smart meter covers that, um, that completely kill that, um, that uh, radiation. Yeah. And that's so important, especially when there's multiple smart meters. I have to figure that out in my new place in park city, because sometimes there are two or three smart meters and they triangulate and they cause people severe, severe distress. Let's talk for just a minute about we're going to have we're going to have a speaker on the summit talking about uh, air quality. And we really like in my house, I really like the air doctor. But let's talk a little bit about water quality. What's your opinion about best water quality? Well, uh, what we find out is, first of all, it, are you on city water or well water? And because there are different systems based upon those. Um, and then we will look at what is typically the problem in that area. 
you know, there are websites you can go to to find out what the groundwater is like in a certain area if you wanted to move or build. Uh, once we know that, we know what type of system to install. We advocate for whole house systems, uh, whole house filtration systems, and then uh, point of use um, specifics. So whether you needed a, uh, a point of use for chloramines or a point of use for, um, you know, like a... Uh, um, ionizing filter. Uh, there are a lot of these uh, specialty filters on the market, but I would say water is probably one of the easiest to deal with. It really is because there's, there's one pipe coming in. So there's one pipe coming in. We know we can stick that through a specific filtration system to take care of what's in that water and what comes out is going to be uh, drinkable uh, you don't have to worry about the um, the chemicals then absorbing into the skin. Obviously, chlorine and fluor fluorines are, are a problem because of the city water. Um, and then um, uh, the problem with um, uh, the other chemicals, the, the, the radon or, or um, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank on that. But there's there's a lot of things to deal with when it comes to well water on old farmland. Uh, so usually a series of three or four different filters the water goes through before it becomes pure drinking water. Okay, so even well water is not not as I mean people think of it as better because it doesn't have the chlorine and fluoride in it. But uh, then there's there's all the glyphosate that's in our groundwater now. So your well water still may need attention. Yes. Um, if somebody so let's say. I want to work with you on my home. You're far away. You're not here in Park City, Utah, where I am, or someone's watching this and they want to hire you to help mitigate because they're chemically sensitive. They're struggling with autoimmune disease. There's cancer that's happened in their own home. They're wanting to bring their, their risk level down. How does it work to work with you long distance? Sure. So when I started the company 25 years ago, all I wanted to do is get products, healthier products in the hands of people that needed it. And I really didn't care. Um, I still don't care where a person is located. I just want them to have access to the healthier products. Um, but what that's, what's happened is um, I get calls from people worldwide helping, trying to help them remodel or maintain a home or build a home. So um, you, you can hire me in 15 minute increments to make it easy. Um, and we have some clients that will actually hire us for a full year because they're doing a, a construction project. So they get access to us 24 seven uh, via telephone and email. Um, if you are a customer just wanting to get three or four questions answered because you have a contractor on site, that's probably a 15 minute um, telephone consult. And um, it's very easy. Uh, it, and I think that instead of spending hours and days internet um, uh, investigating only to call somebody like us and have us now completely change what you've learned. I'll be honest, internet is both a pro and a con. Um, I spend hours every day re-educating people because they thought they did research and they found incorrect information and we have to retrain them. They yeah. probably could have found out from us in 15 minutes everything they needed to know and saved all that time. Yeah. And again, that's because of so many marketers making so many claims that confuse so many consumers. How about my um, how about my decorator? So my decorator is Molly. She's my sister-in-law and she's really interested in holistic stuff. I'm totally going to 
have her watch this interview because as a decorator, I imagine there's probably a business opportunity there for her to not only help people decorate their homes, but sort of plug them into these resources that you have that may be new to her. Do you work with interior designers? We do. Um, as a matter of fact, um, I do a lot of guest lecturing in a lot of the interior design schools around the Midwest. And what we created is what's called the Green Design Center Trade Partner Program. If you are an interior designer, a contractor, even another retailer, we have created a um, GDC as a buyer's group. So you sign up with Green Design Center as a, a trade partner. You get access to all 7,000 products that we have at wholesale. Um, you get an education about the materials from us. Uh, all the leads that are gen generated through our own social media and website go directly to the local trade partner. Um, my background is architecture and design, so I speak that language so I can help uh, go through the process with who's ever interested. Interesting, because um, I bet there are plenty of interior decorators who would love to help people in a more mission-oriented way. Besides have a beautiful home, why not have a beautiful, healthy home, which is your your whole mission? So I just, I just want to point out to people that this isn't just, you know, we think that this is toxic. We think this is making people sick. This is stuff I got from Ryan in his notes to me. Andy, that I just want you to comment on if you want. But a few years back, a large flooring company called Lumber Liquidators got in trouble because people were getting sick from their floors, even though they were supposed to be safe. Tell us a little bit about that. And or now there's another big manufacturer that's facing potentially millions of dollars in fines and replacement costs because their products are re releasing toxic levels of formaldehyde. Comment on that a little bit, because I want people to know that there's actually you know, major litigation and, you know, class action issues from consumers who are getting sick that is out there in the mainstream. I, the, the first one you mentioned, the lumber liquidators problem happened a few years ago because they were, um, most of their flooring materials are made in China. And the problem is, is that through translation or through poor translation, a lot of times the documentation does not come across properly. And what was happening was the flooring was being marketed as being CARB compliant. CARB stands for the California Air Research Board. They have a, a certification that says that um, materials like flooring can't release more than, I believe it's 17 parts per billion of formaldehyde. Their product was coming into North America stamped carb compliant, but people were complaining that the flooring was making them sick. Finding out through uh, a 60 minutes document uh, documentary that this, these floors were released anywhere from 10 times to 1000 times the carb limit of formaldehyde and lumber liquidators was in a tailspin because of this and they had to rip out hundreds of thousands of square feet of their flooring because they were mismarked, mislabeled. It's one of those things where nobody can prove whether they were doing it intentionally or was it the fact that it was just very poor translations, but the problem existed and people were getting sick. Um, so that comes down to trust your source. The latest problem that's happening is with a completely different manufacturer, and they make what are called um, TJI joists, which are floor joists for new construction, and that's underneath the subfloor. It hold, basically holds the whole floor up. 
And these joists were being sprayed with a fireproof coating, and that fireproof coating was releasing toxic levels of formaldehyde, literally causing people to leave their homes because of how sick they were getting. And now we find out that there are thousands of homes across the country that are affected with these products, and people don't know what to do. This problem is so new. It's only happened in the last six months, and it's just now becoming part of um, internet searches, and uh, there is a, a, a class uh, action being formed for this. And the fact of the matter is, is that because of the fact that we have a building industry that focuses on green from a, an energy efficiency standpoint and not a human health standpoint, these things will continue to happen because manufacturers are not being told to use non-toxic materials. They're being told by the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, to use um, outdoor air-friendly ingredients. And in doing so, the unintended consequences, they replace those with human toxins, and there are no regulations for that stuff. And so um, the, the canaries in the mine shaft the chemically sensitive in this world are the ones who are telling us there's a problem. And now people who don't have chemical sensitivity, just everyday folks with other uh, issues with depressed immune systems, they're being affected because their homes are poisoning them because there are no regulations right now for toxic ingredients, zero. Formaldehyde is a key trigger for sensitivity. It's a cancer-causing agent, yet it's found in half of the building materials available these days. And so these big problems that are happening will continue to happen until we do something about it. Well, I, this, this can be very discouraging to talk about, but I think what's exciting is that you have, and I want to end on this positive note, um, I feel like you are creating awareness and you are calling attention to the canaries in the coal mine and you are organizing all the companies and products that are out there paying attention to chemical sensitivities and whether we feel sensitive or not, like you said, it's actually affecting whether we, whether we react to a smell or our flooring makes us noticeably sick or not. It's affecting all of our cancer risk. At a minimum, at a minimum. And so I'm excited that you're out there creating awareness about this because it's a lot like, you know, I've spent a lot of time the last couple of years trying to educate people about EMFs. They don't even think it's real. And so many people were making fun of us and saying that's not a real thing, even though there's literally 8,000 published studies saying electromagnetic frequencies or these chaotic or radioactive frequencies are damaging to our health, whether we notice it or feel it or whether we can see them or not. They do exist. They are measurable. And the effects of them are measurable on, on health on human cells. So on a, on a positive note, we are going to give you a, a list of resources from Andy Pace at the Green Design Center of uh, favorite suppliers that he can easily connect us to. But tell me why you do this. Why have you been doing this for 25 years? How is this more than a job for you, but more mission? I started the company 25 years ago because customers of mine were getting sick when I was selling a water-based coating and we rushed three, three of our own workers to the hospital because of inhalation complications. People living in the condos above were complaining of the odors. And I thought that there's absolutely a better way to do things. 
And we found better ways to do things. It, it took us a long time to put together this list of trusted manufacturers. But I do this because, because there are better ways. And I, I believe that, um, you know, I, I still get Christmas cards and thank you notes from customers of mine from 20 years ago that are just happy to be alive. They're happy to be, to be living in a home that we've been, help, we've been able to help them remodel. Um, families who have autistic children can actually live in a, in a newly decorated home and it doesn't exacerbate their, their symptoms. Um, yes, this is a business for us. Uh, and we treat it as such. It's a professional organization, but the fact that we can sleep at night, literally and figuratively, I don't have to worry that I'm poisoning my customers. I don't have to worry that, um, we're trying to, you know, pull the wool over somebody's eyes to sell a product that um, we know we're doing good things. And we know that folks who are severely affected by their environments can build, remodel, or maintain a healthy home and really not, you know, spend a dime more than what they would normally spend. Well, thank you for the work that you're doing in the world. And thank you for being here with us because I'm excited to be part of more people learning about the great work that you're doing. And thank you for your integrity. I thank you for for helping educate us. And I'll be really pleased to share with those who uh, purchased the summit your um, special free gift. And so thanks so much for being with us, Andy Pace. Thank you. Thank you.